Each week in our Life Hacks Relationship Edition series, um, I've shared with you a life hack that I have come across that I thoroughly enjoy, and I've saved the best for last. Personally, uh, here is the best life hack I have come across in years. That's right, it is a headlight. No more holding your own flashlight. You can go hands-free with this nifty little headlight here. It's very bright too. Let me show you. Let me show you just in case you're wanting to, you know, check it out here. Uh, look at that. That is a life hack. Hands-free. You can do small projects. You can paint trim up close. Anything that you want to see real up close, you know what it does? It eases the strain on your eyes. And man, and, and it looks cool. So I wear this thing around the house way too often, and it's uh, kind of an ongoing joke. Like, uh, Dad's got his light on again, and uh, you can make fun of me if you want. Once you buy one of these, and it can be bought where any quality headlight products are sold, uh, you'll agree with me. It's a great life hack. Uh, last week, Eric Waldrop, our executive pastor here at the Summit, did a phenomenal job talking to us about how to make every relationship great. Now, what we're going to talk about today as we wrap up the series relates to that, but a little bit different. What we're going to talk about today is how to get what you really want in every relationship. And there's a life hack that we're going to get to in just a little while that's going to give you everything you need to know to get what you really want. And here's what you really want. I'll just go ahead and tell you. What you really want, what I really want, what we all really want from every relationship, from any relationship, even if we're not aware it's what we want, is to be great. To be great. Again, last week we talked about how to make relationships great. This week we're going to talk about the fact that what I want out of every one of my relationships and what you want in every one of your relationships, whether we realize it or not, is for people to see us as great. I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a great pastor. I want to be a great friend. So we just want to be great. A great parent, a great spouse, a great sibling, a great neighbor, a great coworker, a great boss, a great citizen. We just want to be great human beings in every relationship. And we want people to look at us and think we're great. In fact, we take this so far, and a lot of times we don't even realize we're doing this, is we try to associate ourselves with people who think we're great. We want to be around people who think we're great, and we tend to avoid people who don't think we're great or realize we're not all that great sometimes. But I'm telling you, what I want and what you want, what we all want, is to be great people and for other people to look at us and think we're great. I don't know if you've ever noticed at a funeral or at a memorial service, one of the things that happens at every funeral I've ever been to is that the family, the minister, whomever has the microphone or has the attention at the podium um, is talking about the deceased person and how great they were. How great they were. It's just automatic. It's interesting. Even if they weren't all that great. Have you ever had the moment where you're at a funeral and, you know, someone is being praised and lauded as great and they're so awesome and great and you're going, I didn't remember them quite like that. I don't think we're quite as great as everyone is saying. 
the truth is, at our funerals, we will all be greater than we really were. So some of you are like, great, I can't wait to die. No, no, no. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with that. We want to praise each other. We want to lift each other up. And that's a, it's a great thing. But if you will listen to how people are described as great at a funeral, what you'll pick up on is that people are described as great, great, great rather, according to what they did. According to what they did. So people will describe what they did and then conclude, they were so great. They were so awesome. I want you to notice something. There is a correlation. There is a connection between being and doing. There is a correlation between being great and doing things that bring greatness. In fact, let me just say it like this. Being great is about doing the things that bring greatness. I'll say it again. Just just let this sink in. Being great. And I want to be great and you want to be great. It's what we really want. It's what we're really after, whether we realize it or not. But being great is all about doing the things that bring about greatness. Now, time out real quick. This is not saying that we all don't have just intrinsic value and worth. Okay, We are valuable before God. We are, we are worth the same before God. We all stand on level ground before God because God loves us all. This is not talking about your value or your worth as a human being. We're talking about the difference between people who become great and people who do not become great. Being great is really about doing the things that be, that bring greatness. And, and what I've come to realize is that almost everyone wants to be great, but very few people want to do the things that bring about greatness. So if you're at a funeral and you listen, as people are described, they were such a great spouse. They were such a great dad, a great mom, a great husband, a great wife, a great friend, a great partner in crime, whatever, a great employee, employer, a great neighbor, a great person. You will hear that greatness qualified by what they did to make them great what they did to become great. Now that's very important because what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes is what makes us great in our relationships. I mean, what what happens so that in a relationship with anyone, you are looked at and seen as great? Well, I will tell you, it's got everything to do with something that you do. It's about doing. There is a relationship, a connection between being and doing. And being great has really everything to do with doing the things that bring about greatness. Let me show you what I mean. In the first century, in Jesus' ministry, one day, a mom, and this is Mother's Day weekend that we're doing this together, uh, a mom came to Jesus and asked Jesus what it would take for her boys, her two sons, her two boys to have a position or an opportunity of greatness. Yeah, it, it was the mother of James and John. And we're not quite sure if uh, she acted on her own, or if James and John, two of Jesus' closest disciples, uh, kind of put their mom up to this and said, Hey, Mom, you know we're a little embarrassed. Could you ask Jesus for us? Could you, Mom, Mom, if you ask, Jesus will listen to you. You know. Because, you know, moms have a way of saying things and getting people's attention. So we're not quite sure, you know, what, what motivated this. But James and John's mom 
comes to Jesus and asks and says, listen, my boys want to be great. My boys want to have a position of greatness. Now, there's this little part in the story in the text, and you can read about it, and I hope you do. But this little part uh, that's just barely mentioned, but to me is quite interesting. When the other disciples heard the question that James and John's mom asked Jesus, it said they got frustrated, or they got upset, or it just caused all kinds of friction. Maybe they were frustrated at James and John for asking and beating them to the punch. Maybe they were frustrated with themselves because they didn't think about asking their mom to ask Jesus about, hey, how can my boys be great? Yeah, you know, can you do something for my boys? You know, kind of thing. But interesting dynamic there. Okay, so Jesus called them all together, and he told them this. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Now let me explain what's going on here. Jesus was basically sharing something with them that he knew that they would pick up on immediately, that they would know exactly what he was referring to, exactly what he was talking about. And he was saying, fellas, you know how it is. You know the drill. You know the deal that around here in this non-Jewish culture, in this culture that's a melting pot of Roman influence and Jewish influence and Greek influence and all of this, you know how it goes. Power and might rule the day. And greatness is established by those who have the power and they lord it over people. And those who have the might and they lord it over people. Basically, what they realized and what Jesus is referring to is back in those days, the more people who were serving you that you were lording over, the greater you were considered to be. Greatness back then in that culture was determined, this is so important, by how many people served you. But then Jesus kind of threw a gotcha at them. He, he was getting them all on the same page. Fellas, you know how it is. You know the deal. You know the drill. You know the way it is. And then they're all at this point saying, yeah, 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 like that's the way it is. And then Jesus gives them this, these four words, not so with you, not so with you. And I kind of giggle a little bit when, when I read this like this, because it makes me think back to a Seinfeld episode with the soup guy. You know, those of you Seinfeld, you know, where basically it was no soup for you. <laughs> that's funny. That's not what Jesus said. Maybe it inspired it. I, I don't know. I don't know. But what Jesus was getting at is saying, fellas, not so with you. You know how it is in the culture. You know how people achieve greatness by lording power and might, trying to get more and more people to serve them, to lord their authority over. And that's how people become great. That's not the way it's going to be with you guys because you're my followers. And that's not the way I do things. It's not the way I want you to do things. Not so with you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, he's talking to you. He's talking to me. He's talking to us. Not so with you. And then he's going to tell them the way it needs to be. Instead... Whoever wants to be great among you, hey, and he's talking to me because I want to be great, you want to be great. That's what we all really want in our relationships is to be great. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Just as the Son of Man, and he's referring to himself now, Jesus, just as the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you see what Jesus is saying? In a culture, in a context, how familiar does this sound? Where the more people 
who were serving you determined how great you were. In a culture like that, sounds familiar, huh? Jesus said, not so with you. The way I'm going to do things, the way I want you to do things, is that greatness is going to be determined by how many people you serve. If you want to be great, you serve. And the greater you are, the more serving you'll be doing. And the more serving you be, you'll be doing, the greater you will become because there is a relationship between being and doing. And if you want to be great, you need to do the things that bring greatness. And serving, Jesus said, putting other people's needs above your own, is how to achieve true greatness. And that's how Jesus modeled it. Now, a little bit later on, a few decades later, the Apostle Paul was writing to a group of Christ followers in Philippi, and he picked up on this theme. And this is actually referring back to something Pastor Eric was talking about last week. But Paul writes, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, now check this out. See if this doesn't kind of refer back to what Jesus is saying. Value others above yourself. Value other people above yourself. Put them before you. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of the others. And then he gives them an example. Paul's saying, now this is a lot to take in. It's a lot to swallow. I know this is easier said than done. But basically Paul says, I'm asking you to be like Jesus. And he goes on. He says, in your relationships with one another... I want to be great, you want to be great in all our relationships. So in our relationships, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I want you to be like Jesus. I want you to think like Jesus. I want you to do the things that Jesus did. And then he explains what he means. Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Then he goes on. Jesus humbled himself. Do you see this? Do you see how these things relate? Right? If you want to be great, Jesus said, it's not about how many people serve you. It's about how many people you serve. Because the more you serve, the greater you will be. There's a relationship. And then Paul takes it a step further and just to people like me and you and says, and you need to be like Jesus, who did not come to be served. And listen, had he come to be served, who could have blamed him? He's the son of God. He did not come to be served. He came to serve others. He came to serve others. So to be great, it's not about how smart you are, how hard you work, even though that's important. Uh, being great is not about getting ahead. It's not about how right you are. It's not about how much money you have, how gifted you are, how skilled you are. It's not about how many people work for you or answer to you. Nope. Jesus' definition of greatness, which is the definition that really matters, is about how humble you are, how much of a servant you are, how often you and how much you and I lift others up. Okay, so let me give you the life hack. The life hack that comes right out of this is crystal clear, in my opinion. Now, let me just warn you, though, this life hack may sound a little bit harsh. In fact, it may sound insensitive. You might even say it sounds a little rude, but that's not the intention. So don't hear this life hack. Hear me well. Do not take this with an attitude. Do not hear it or receive it with an attitude because I'm not giving it to you with an attitude. Okay, that It's not meant to be rude uh, or combative in any way, but it's meant to be something that you won't forget and that will stick with all of us. So here's the life hack. Based upon what Jesus taught us about what greatness really is 
and how we become great. Here's the life hack. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. See what I mean? Get over yourself. Just sit with that. I mean, pay attention. If you're feeling a little bit defensive, like, what? You don't have the right, and what do you mean? Whoa, 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 whoa. Your defensiveness and my defensiveness to this challenge, which is just a really clear, concise way of applying and summarizing what Jesus was saying. It's not about your interests. It's about their interests. It's not about you establishing your own greatness. It's about you lifting others up and serving them and meeting their needs, and that's what really makes you great. It's just a way of summarizing all of that. Now, now here's the deal. You can't go around telling people this. You can't go around saying, hey, you get over yourself. You get over yourself. Husbands and wives, it's not a good way to talk to each other. It's not a good thing to say, um, even though we do need to tell our children from time to time. But you don't want to go around just you know, laying that out there to your kids. And kids, you certainly don't want to be yelling that to your parents or to your friends or neighbors. It, it can come across rude. But what you can do is tell yourself. What you can do, and what I can do, is look in the mirror and say, you know what, I need to get over myself. Hey, Jonathan, get over yourself. Get over yourself. Because it's not just about what you want. It's not just about what you think and what you do or what you have done or what you say or what you have said. It's not just about focusing on you. It's not just about your needs. Get over yourself. It's about you before me. You before me. Because that's how Jesus established his own greatness. And he proved it by going all the way to the cross and sacrificially giving himself for us, for the world. Get over yourself. Now, it's Mother's Day weekend. Here's what I know about moms. When moms are at their best, they get this. They know this. They live this. They embody this. It's one of the things that makes a mom so great. It's that moms and their lives. Many times it's just about having to get over themselves. Here's what I mean. Like if you're going to be a mom, you're going to have to just get real used to the fact that you're going to have to get over yourself. You do it all the time. You get over your own sleep because you don't get much. You get over what you want to eat. And when you want to eat it, because you're constantly making sure that everybody's got what they want, you get over your physical appearance and how you wish you had time to focus on, you know, how you looked and how you felt about how you looked. Sometimes you have to get over your own career and you have to put things on hold or maybe pause or speed things up or make some changes and shifts to things. You just have to get over a focus on yourself if you're going to be a mom. It's what being a mom is, is about many times. And, and moms, you do it so well. It's one of the things that makes you so pivotal and, and, and such a big part of our lives is when you model to us how you get over yourself. But here's the deal. This whole concept, get over yourself, it's what makes parents heroes. It's what makes marriages last. It's what makes families strong. It's what makes friends closer. It actually makes coworkers a team. And this get over yourself, this attitude, is what makes Christians more like Jesus. Because Jesus went out of his way to not make this about him, even though it really is. Psst, psst, listen, here you go. 
even though it really is about him. That would, that's the amazing secret of it all. This whole thing is about Jesus, ultimately about him and for his glory. And he specifically came and decided to not make his mission about himself. And having everybody serve him, he came to serve others. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus is seen as great as he is. And then he backed it up and proved it and showed it to the greatest degree by giving his life on a cross. There's your life hack right there. You want something that'll make your relationships better? Get over yourself. You want your marriage to be stronger? Get over yourself. You want a stronger family? Get over yourself. If I can get over myself and elevate you above me and lift you up, and if you get over yourself and you lift other people up, and if we do that for each other, our relationships get better, get greater, and people will look at you and talk about how great you are. Because what they may not understand, the reason they think you're great is because you're constantly getting over yourself and putting them before yourself. As some of you on right now, you got little sirens going off, little red flags. Okay, I get it. So let me go there. Okay, because you're thinking, yeah, but what about me then? Well, what about me? What, what about time for myself? What about me time? What about taking care of me? Who's going to take care of me? I got to take care of myself. Listen, I get it. I get it. I get it. Yes. Yes, hear me well. It's important to care for yourself. That is a tension that just has to be managed. But I'm just going to tell you, you need to be careful with this. Because if you're not careful, self-care will become an obsession. It just is. It just does. We see it all around us. Self-care becomes an obsession. I mean, one of the ways that you can pick up on this is watch social media. Because for a lot of people, their social media is not really social itself. It's self-media. Right? It's like, hey, look at me, look at me, uh, look at my hair, don't care, you know, watch me exercise, watch me work out, look, look how, you know, this about me and that about me and this about me. And it's constantly about self-promotion, self-promotion. You know why? Because deep down, even in places they don't want to talk about at parties, they want people to think they're great. I want that, you want that. I'm not faulting anyone for that. We all want that. But that's not the way to be great. The way to be great is not to talk about, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. The way to be great is for me to put the spotlight on you. Now listen, it's good to be healthy. It's good to be healthy personally. It's good to be healthy with how you spend your time and energy and to take care of yourself. But let me tell you how it's really supposed to work. The way this is supposed to work is that we are to care for each other. We just read it. When Paul wrote to the Philippians, he said, don't just look at out for your own interest. Look out for each other's interests. Now get that. So if I'm looking out for your interest and you're looking out for my interest, and if I'm putting you before me and you're putting me before you, who gets left out? Nobody. Everybody's included. And nobody gets left out when we look out for each we look out for each other's interest. And I put you in front of me, and you put me in front of you. And we put each other in front of ourselves and we just make a decision to look in the mirror on a daily basis and maybe several times a day, whatever it takes, and say, you know what, man, you just need to go over yourself. You know what, girl, you just need to get over yourself because that's going to bring about the greatness that you and I really want. That's what I really want. We have different ways of describing it, but I want my family to think I'm great. I want you to think I'm great. I want strangers to think I'm great when they get to meet me. And you want me to think 
that you're great. You want us to think. You want us to think that you're great. That's normal. That's get it. That's that's how God created us. It's part of being a human being. But the way you get that is not by elevating yourself. The way you get that is by lifting other people up. Here's another way to look at it. The greatest people in our culture are the ones who make those around them better, who make those around them greater. That's that's true. The greatest ones make other people great. A great example of this would be Tom Brady. And I know here's a yeah, here, here's a sports example. Tom Brady, greatest quarterback in NFL history, no doubt. And and I never I'm not really a fan of the teams he's played for. Um, but you know, up until this year, the New England Patriots, I mean, just an incredible career. And now he's getting ready to move on to the Tampa Bay Bucks, which means Panther fans, you're going to have to put up with him at least a couple times a year here. So fun, fun, fun. But you know what's said of Tom Brady? One of the things that makes him so great, I've heard it described over and over and over again, is just how he has a tendency to make everybody else on his team better. Right? Tom has a way when he plays with you to make you greater than you were before he played on your team with you and you were on his team with him. Tom Brady has a way of making the players around him better players. He just makes everybody better. That's why he's so great. That's why he's the greatest of all time because he takes these average players, average receivers, average position players, and when they spend time on the field with Tom, They just get better. Man, I want to be like that. I want to be the kind of person, and you want to be the kind of person, I believe this about you, and I don't even know who I'm talking to right now. But I think all of us want people to look at us and say, yeah, they're great. But what's going to make that happen is that we live our lives in such a way that we get over ourselves and we help others become great. There's a question that my wife Donna has asked for years. And and this, I really, she would ask it over and over again. And for years, I didn't notice it. And I don't know how I didn't pick up on this, but even though I was the beneficiary of it. And um, it wasn't probably until a couple of years ago when we were watching one of what has become one of our favorite TV shows, uh, New Amsterdam. Great, great show. Uh, great character development and all this. And, but the main character, Dr. Max Goodwin, is a doctor. And he asked this same question, and it was when I heard him ask the question a couple of times that I remember looking at her on the couch and saying, wait a second, you've been saying this for years. You ask this of us all the time, and this question right here is so simple, but it helps you live out, get over yourself. And reflecting back, this is one of the reasons why my wife is so great. Not just in my eyes, but in our family's eyes, and I'll brag on her, in the eyes of many people. Here's the question. If you learn to ask this question, it'll help you get over yourself and experience this life hack. How can I help? You watch New Amsterdam. Dr. Max Goodwin is is asking this question all the time. He walks into a difficult situation and he says, hey, how can I help? Donna has asked this question for years. Hey, sweetie, what can I do to help? How can I help you today? How can I help? Isn't that what Jesus did? (laughs) Did Jesus show up on earth and go, okay, how can I help? Isn't that the mark of greatness? I mean, imagine if that was just the theme of how we lived. We were constantly going to each other saying, hey, how can I help? How can I help? 
What if it's something that we said and then something we did? And what if we meant it and followed through on it? Hey, how can I help? How can I help you be greater? How can I help you be better? How can I help you solve problems? How can I help you meet needs? How can I help you become great? Because if I help you become great, and you help me become great, and we help each other become great, do you know what we're going to conclude about one another? Man, they're great. If that's what I want, and that's what you want. Hey, by the way, we could take this at a different angle. Do you know... That as a church, that's, that's really what we're about, is looking at our community and saying, hey, how can we help? We see this problem. We see this need. How can we help? We, we, we see this crisis. How can we help? Because we want to make our community greater. And the greater we make our community, the greater we make the people that, whose lives we touch, then it's only inevitable. They're going to look at our church and say, that's a great church. Not because they agree with what we believe or, or that they've even experienced one of our services. But because we looked at them and we put their needs above our own and we help them get better, help them grow greater, that's how you achieve greatness. You get over yourself. How can I help? How can I help? Okay, before we sign off, let's review. Let me put up here all of the life hacks in this relationship edition. I mean, just look at this. You might want to pause this so you can screenshot this, take a picture of this. Um, it, the tattoo would be way too busy, so don't try to tattoo all this. Um, but, but put it somewhere where you'll look at it and remember it. Week one, life hack. Love is a choice. So decide. Make the decision. Week two, be first. Be first to do the things that you should do. Be first to apologize. Be first to say, I'm sorry. Be first to put the other person first. Be first to listen. Week three, last week, don't give up. Don't give up. Way too many people give up before the relationship gets great. They give up before the relationship gets better. They give up before there's healing. They give up before they can see what God wants to do in these relationships that we have. Don't give up. And today, week four, get over yourself. Just get over yourself. You can't go around telling other people that, but you can look in the mirror and you can tell you that. And you can listen to yourself and I'll listen to myself. Get over ourselves. And if we will do these things, these life hacks, okay, these things aren't easy, but they're simple. And if we will do these things, all of our relationships, any of our relationships, get better, get stronger. And you'll be happier and God will be honored. There's nothing wrong with that. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these life hacks. Thank you for the principles in your word, the stories, the, the challenges, the, even the commands that you gave us to make these very clear. So help me. Help me to make the choice to love. Help me to just choose to be first. Help me to decide to not give up. And help me to get over myself. And help me to lead the way. And help us all to do that. And as we apply these life hacks, even though relationships are not easy, boy, it sure is a much more simple way to go through these things called relationships that can get so ridiculously and unnecessarily complex. Because these things are built on your principles and your truth. And you know how to make relationships great more than any of us. So may we listen to you and apply these things in Jesus' name. Amen.